Greetings and salutations, all you sportsmen and women out there and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain. Welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, coming to you from sunny Tandawanda, New York. That's right, sportsmen and women, welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport on Anchor.fm, powered by Spotify. You can get this podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Beacon and Free Radio and Pocket Casts and, of course, Anchor.fm. Hey, folks, please help support this podcast by donating to the cause. $2 a month, $5 a month. You can do it right through the website. Just click on support. And whatever you can afford, you know, it helps me push back on the propaganda in the news while providing conservation news and commentary along with sound science and conservation principles. Hey, speaking of my commentary and my show, it's my uh, opinion, it's my commentary. It doesn't necessarily reflect any of the official positions of organizations I may be a part of, but if it is an official position, I will let you know about it. And also, of course, the views that are expressed on this show may not reflect the views of this program's sponsors and advertisers, just so we're all clear. But folks, I hope you'll all spread the word. Anyhow, uh, you know, we are now officially into the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah and a Merry Christmas to all you listeners out there. Uh, you know, we've got 12 more days till the big the big day. The, uh, uh, the jolly old elf comes visiting uh, everybody's uh, homes. I hope all the good you know, boys and girls out there have been good and they don't get a lump of coal. Although if you do get a lump of coal this year, it might not be a bad idea to uh, use that to supplement your heating bill. Um in any event, uh, you know, the regular big game season has now in the New York Southern Zone uh, closed up. It's in the books. And today marks the start of the nine-day extended season. It's, it's the extended archery, crossbow, and muzzleloader season. And that runs through the 21st of December or next Tuesday. Uh, new this year for the Southern Zone, uh, for the deer hunters down here, is the holiday hunt. Uh, it's not a big game season. The bear season is closed. This is a deer season. Uh, which starts on the 26th of December, and the last day is January 1st. Um, you know, the waiting is also over, folks, uh, concerning the holiday hunt opt-out regulation proposed in September by the DEC, which saw its public comment period close on November 14th. In a press release dated uh, December 7th, 2021, DEC announced that the proposed regulation to allow counties to opt out of this year's holiday hunt, anyhow, had been shelved after many comments across a diverse swath of concerns and interests came flooding in. So at least for this year, the holiday hunt will go on throughout the southern zone as originally authorized. Uh, that doesn't, however, mean that the issue is dead. It's only been pushed back a bit. You know, all this began with snowmobilers and several large clubs pushing to have this derailed, and a couple state legislators were more than happy to help. But before the measure passed both houses, you know, it passed the state Senate, but the assembly reps before the floor vote uh, for that house, uh, they walked into the DEC offices and, uh, you know, had some words uh, to see if they would rather act with regulation on the matter and, uh, you know, avoid the legislative moves, which, you know, the, the, the wheels of legislation turn a heck of a lot slower. Um, 
so you know that was what prompted the DEC to propose these regulations and I expect that the legislation that's currently sitting in limbo could be resurrected once the new session begins January 2022. Sportsmen and women will need to get vocal again early in this year's session. Uh, you know, so we can obviously head this off. Uh, they're already, uh, this is already in motion. The wheels are in motion to do this. Uh, so we're going to need everybody on board, you know, those who wrote letters and, and made comments to the regulation. Uh, we're going to also need your letter writing capabilities to make sure that uh, uh, the legislature does not pick this bill back up again. Also, uh, you know, Governor Hochul, meanwhile, has vetoed a bill that would have expanded mandatory antler restrictions to wildlife management units 3H and 3K. The bill numbers were S5694, that was sponsored by Senator Martucci, and A6182, which was sponsored by Assemblywoman Gunther. And those were sent to the governor's desk on uh, November 29th, 2021, although the bills did pass both houses in June. And on December 10th, the governor vetoed the measures. Part of the updated deer management plan is to review the mandatory antler restriction WMUs that were created by regulation to see whether continuing this restriction was actually warranted. <clears throat> no review is going to occur on the WMUs that have been established uh, by uh, legislatively. Uh, but the veto does stop the legislative expansion of this uh, program that really hunters don't really want in New York State. And looking at the voluntary um, let it go and watch it grow campaign that the DEC has been embarked upon for the last uh, decade or so, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's self-evident that we don't need a regulation on this. Um, although we do need to figure out a way to increase the antlerless harvest. But, you know, hunters value their choice. They want to, you know, harvest the deer that they uh, think they have the best opportunity on, and they want to put meat in the freezer. And, you know, if the best opportunity is on a spike or a fork, uh, there's no reason in the world, based on the populations today in New York State, to allow them or deny them, rather, uh, deny them that harvest opportunity. If it's a good ethical shot, it's going to be a clean kill. Take it down. Uh, you know, many hunters recognize that if you put in this mandatory antler restriction, now when you get an opportunity on a buck that does meet the legal minimum requirement of three points or four points on one beam, that you might be tempted or might be put in a position to believe you need to take a marginal shot. And, you know, we don't want to see any of that. And, you know, DEC has acted accordingly, and so now has Governor Hochul. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a really good thing uh, to see that that has happened. Um, so, you know, that's just, we're going to hope and hope and pray that, uh, you know, this, uh, stuff continues on that. Um, you know, in other news, uh, you know, we've got, uh, this, this wonderful muzzleloader season that's now just started today. And, you know, there's the, the, the hunting patterns do shift. Um, you know, as you start getting towards the end of that, uh, regular season into the extended, uh, the secondary rut that typically takes place is starting to wind down. You may still see some rutting activity, uh, but those animals that were already serviced uh, during the first rut, they're now moving into the feed. 
uh, you know, the mating is over, the stress of the mating is over, and, you know, especially when you're looking at the, the bucks, uh, the mature and dominant bucks, uh, you know, they're really consumed with uh, the breeding, and they're consumed and, and obsessed with that to the point where they're not doing a lot of feeding. Uh, during that stressful period of time, they are, you know, losing some weight that they had put on uh, during the summertime. You know, their fat reserves are starting to be burned up and being utilized for the breeding. And right before the, the heart of the winter, you know, when the breeding is done, the attention turns to food sources before they're all completely wiped out and it gets really tough to find food. So, you know, hunters be, being aware of this, uh, understand that it's now time to start looking at and start hunting those food sources that are out there. Uh, you know, food sources are, uh, you know, by far and away, as you get into this, uh, uh, you get into this older uh, uh, or, or later in the in the year period, you know, they're not going to be so much focused on chasing. They're not going to be so much focused on their territory. They're going to be focused on exactly what they want to see, and that is, uh, you know, the these wonderful uh, 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 the food sources to replenish their energy, and that's what they're going to be wanting to do. So, you know, those hunters out there that are going to be hunting that black powder season, if you know your area, you know where the feeding areas are, you know, there's still some tree nuts on the ground, uh, any tender areas, the uh, winter wheat, uh, you know, things such as that, you know, some clover that may have uh, survived, you know, and then, of course, you've got the hardy uh, food plots like uh, New Zealand brassicas and such. They're going to go ahead and they're going to start, you know, keying on this area or those areas, those food supplies, you know, any farmer's uh, fields that still have some corn standing or if it's freshly cut down, you know, they're going to be looking for some of that corn that is dropped. Uh, in other news, and some regulatory news that's coming up as well, um, you know, the DEC has been very active, and, you know, us uh, sportsmen are probably going to have to be active as well this year, uh, you know, with the holiday hunt uh, regulation uh, being shelved, you know, the the, the uh, session for the, the legislature starting in January, um, you know, it may not be a bad thing to get active, and, you know, the DEC's fisheries unit has also been very active this year as well, um, you know, announcing just recently that they're streamlining uh, the fishing regulations via proposing several new regulation changes aimed to reduce the number of, uh, you know, special regulatory uh, rules that have been put in in uh, you know a number of different special bodies of water or counties etc to try to make fishing and the regulations a little bit less confusing. Uh, we first heard about uh, the potential of these uh, particular uh, uh, regulations that are coming that have just been proposed uh, during the New York State Conservation Council's fall convention. We heard it from Steve Hurst back on August 28th. Anyhow, uh, Basil Sagos is quoted in, in a press release dated December 8th, 2022, as saying that the proposed changes will help align freshwater fishing regulations with the state's current management objectives in a way that is easy for New Yorkers to understand and reflects their input. This proposal was driven by public comments and expert feedback and represents DEC's continued commitment to make fishing more enjoyable and accessible by eliminating unnecessary and outdated rules. Some of those changes uh, include now new rules for trout management in ponded waters. Uh, you know, they did the uh, inland stream management, and now they're looking at the, the lakes and ponds. 
Um, and some of these rules are going to consolidate 143 water body and 33 county-wide specific regulations into a new statewide regulation that permits anglers to harvest five fish per day, only two of which can be greater than 12 inches in length. The proposal seeks to better align regulations with the intended outcomes, and most inland ponds and lakes are stocked with brown trout and rainbow trout, and they're managed for put-and-take or a put-grow-and-take fishery. Uh, you know, those ponds and such that are uh, stocked with brook trout, those are more managed to be, uh, you know, establish a self-sustaining wild population. But most inland lakes and ponds which are stocked with brown and rainbow trout, those waters will be open year-round, um, while the brook trout ponds will be closed between October 16th and March 31st. This includes on those ponds that have rainbows and browns in them open for ice fishing. Uh, removing the statewide closed season restriction on lake trout and Atlantic salmon has also been proposed. Uh, keeping the season open year-round would consolidate 24 lake trout and 33 Atlantic salmon water body specific regulations into a statewide regulation consistent with current management practices as over the years a greater number of these waters have been open all year under special regulations. And in addition, six outdated lake trout and five unnecessary Atlantic salmon special regulations are opposed are proposed to be eliminated. You know, it's it gets to the point where the special regulations are, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're they're no longer the norm and they become the exception. And once they become the exception, it's really time to get back to a statewide side. And then with the few special regulations that are out there, you know, maybe see where where they're needed and just maintain a few of those. Uh, another proposed change is to allow ice fishing unless specifically prohibited in New York except for Essex County, Franklin County, Fulton, Hamilton, Herkimer's, Lewis and St. Lawrence counties as well as Warren and Washington counties where the existing ice fishing is prohibited unless specifically permitted in waters inhabited by trout. That regulation will still apply in those nine counties. Uh, you know, additionally, eliminating the three fish per day, 18-inch minimum for walleye harvested on Oneida Lake and reverting back to the statewide minimum, uh, which is uh, five per day, 15-inch minimum, uh, as the populations of walleye on Oneida Lake have now gotten to the point where, uh, you know, they've, they've recovered, they've rebounded, there's no need for this 18-and-3. Uh, um, additional regulations that are going to be uh, put into here are going to be, uh, you know, correcting some previously omitted rule changes for rainbow trout on the daily creel limit uh, for the lower Niagara from three fish down to two. That was done last year, but it didn't make the regulation books. And uh, establishing a no limit all year uh, season long 12 inch minimum length restriction on walleye for skinny atlas lake to, sup to suppress this introduced species as concerns exist that the walleye could harm the exceptional trout fishing in that lake okay so that's what we got there um, well folks you're going to hear this uh, music coming up uh, that's right i got to take my first break of the day but, uh, you know, We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. We'll be right back, so don't go anywhere, folks. Stretch your legs, get a little bit of coffee in you, and I'll be right back.
And welcome back, all you sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport coming to you from sunny Tandawanda, New York. Oh, it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood, you know, getting close to Christmas. And, uh, you know, we're also uh, getting close to the ice fishing time. Um, and I wanted just to say that this segment of We Love Outdoors is sponsored by Chautauqua Real Outdoors Guide and Tackle, located at 165 West Fairmont Avenue in Lakewood, New York, in the Save-A-Lot and Dollar General Plaza. Uh, Chautauqua Real Outdoors, you know, they carry a full line of ice fishing equipment, including jet sleds, augers, rod and reel combos, tip-ups, and so much more. They got a big selection of ice jigging Rapalas and other ice fishing tackle, and they also offer a, an auger blade sharpening service with very quick turnaround. Live bait is available. They're open year-round. You can find them on Facebook or on the web at ChautauquaRealOutdoors.com. <clears throat> you know, I wanted to get back to the uh, fishing regulations real quick um, because there's another proposal that is in there that, uh, you know, maybe the, the biggest changes to the uh, fishing regulations that we may see. Um, and that is a proposal to move to set the fishing season openers to a hard date versus that Saturday opener date on some seasons. <clears throat> These changes that are proposed would involve opening of statewide walleye, pike, pickerel, and tiger muskie on May 1st versus the first Saturday in May. Muskellunge would open on June 1st statewide. And this one is, has been, in recent years, been a split opening season. It's been the third Saturday in June for Great Lakes Muskie, but the last Saturday in May for Inland Muskie. So this is going to move the Inland Muskie, uh, you know, delay the opening by a week and, uh, or maybe not even a week, just maybe even a few days, and uh, move up the Great Lakes Muskie by a few weeks to make this all open on June 1. <clears throat> and the other uh, Saturday opener that's out there statewide is Black Bass Season. That would move from the third Saturday in June to a June 15th opener. Uh, you know, also included would be aligning the special regulation timing with these new opener dates. So that way, uh, you know, everything is all kind of consistent and such. That comment period on this is open through February 6, 2022. Interested stakeholders can submit comments either via email to regulations.fish at dec.ny.gov with the subject line, Fishing Regulations Proposal Comments or by snail mail by writing to Inland Fisheries Section, New York State DEC or NYS DEC, uh, 625 Broadway, Albany, New York, 12233-4753. Uh, I'll give you those again. The email address is regulations.fish at dec.ny.gov, and the mailing address is Inland Fisheries Section, NYS DEC, 625 Broadway, Albany, New York, 12233-4753. You can find the full text of the proposed regulatory changes on the DEC website in the regulatory section, reg regulations page under proposed regulations. And as a reminder, the panfish proposed regulation changes are still in public comment period. That ends on Christmas Day or maybe December 26th. Uh, but try to get your comments in before Christmas. you got 13 days left. And if no significant issues are revealed during that comment period, 
Anglers can expect that the daily creel limit on sunfish will drop to 25 a day. The minimum size for crappie statewide will increase to 10 inches. And the establishment of the Big Pan Fish Initiative sunfish waters to take effect on select lakes, setting a minimum size for those lakes for sunfish on those select waters at 8-inch minimum with a 15-per-day creel limit. Now, you know, it has been a, an interesting 2021 for sure uh, while we're in this fishing mode uh, because 2021 really seems to have been the year of the uh, records. You know, both fresh and saltwater records have been something that have been set like crazy this year so far, and we're not done yet. You know, we're, we've got a few weeks left in 2021, and word has come out of North Carolina that a new red hind record, a fish from the grouper family that is considered an essential food fish in the Caribbean, um, it's also been known by the names of coon and lucky grouper in the islands, that has not only had a new record set, but actually it's a new category that's been established as well after angler Matt Parr caught the fish on October 1 while fishing near Cape Lookout. The fish weighed in at 7 pounds 1.6 ounces, measured 21 and a half inches long, and the North Carolina Division of Marine Fisheries decided this fish was indeed a very large specimen for this species in the North Carolina waters, yet found they didn't have a record category for the red hind, created that category, and after some internal discussions, acknowledged that the fish was very, very large for North Carolina waters. So congratulations, Matt Parr, for a new record, creating a new category and establishing the record all in one fell swoop. That's pretty amazing. But we haven't stopped there. Yes, it has been the uh, been the, the, the year for record uh, marine and freshwater fish alike. And another record, <clears throat> this time a freshwater fishing record, was recently set on November 22 when Minnesota angler Nolan Springler achieved the holy grail of sorts when he reeled in a 55-pound muskellunge while fishing on Millie Lacks Lake uh, with a couple of friends in search of late-season muskie. With reports the fish would um, <clears throat> hit uh, his uh, offering between 8 and 9 p.m. And after an epic battle, fellow angler Kevin Cray netted the behemoth, which measured 57.75 inches in length by 25 in 29 inches in girth. And after about an hour of trying to revive the fish, it became clear that the fight was too much and the fish wasn't going to survive. So the anglers decided to take the catch to weigh on a certified scale, with the results being confirmed as the new largest muskie caught in the state of Minnesota, breaking the old record which had stood for 64 years. And it now has been certified as 55 pounds being the new state record by the Minnesota DNR. And that fish has been taken to the taxidermist. Uh, job well done. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of musky fishermen out there that hate to hear about a musky dying. They like to see them all released. But, you know, when you're battling a fish, sometimes it can happen. And it's good to see it's going to be put to great use and uh, be an education piece and bring memories that will last a lifetime for sure. Many, many records this year, both saltwater and freshwater, have been broken. And, uh, you know, including two freshwater records here in New York State, the bowfin and the white crappie records. Those were set earlier this year, and it's just absolutely incredible. So 2021, definitely can call it the year of the record fish. And, hey, speaking of fishing... Uh, the hard water season, the ice fishing is, uh, season is rapidly approaching, 
and a new ice fishing derby is slated for Chautauqua Lake, which involve, will involve six different species of fish and run from January 15th through noon on February 27th, 2022. This will be a measure your catch tournament. Submit your entries via email. Uh, entry fees 25 bucks. Anglers may enter at any time. Uh, enter the uh, the tournament, the contest at any time on or before February 12th. But you must enter um, a day in advance before entering any catch for consideration. Uh, the entry for this officially will open in a few days, uh, right around, it uh, looks like December 15th, December 16th. And, uh, you know, this will be uh, absolutely, you know, something that is, has been, you know, in the making for a little bit of time. Um, the Derby is being organized by the Facebook group Chautauqua Lake Ice and Open Water Fishing. Uh, but, you know, past efforts have been, you know, a one-day or a two-day tournament, um, you know, during the hard water season, you know, for walleye, and it's been a, a weigh your, your catch kind of thing. There's also been uh, a, a, a month-long walleye tournament, but again, it's bring your fish in and weigh it. Um, and this one here is going to be a, a photo, your, you know, take a photo of your catch, and that way you can release your catch. But it's also six different categories. Those categories are going to be walleye and yellow perch and crappie and sunfish and uh, white perch and silver bass. And the top two in each category will win cash prizes. Uh, there's also going to be some donated prizes, some raffle prizes, etc., uh, everyone is uh, eligible to fish this. If you're 16 and up, you have to obviously have a valid New York State fishing license. If you're under age 16 and you don't need a license, you will need to have parental permission. But since it's one drop of the line, every angler can go ahead and, and, and compete in this. Uh, there will be some special prizes and such. And as the, the uh, tournament progresses, uh, you'll be able to see a leaderboard at weloveoutdoors.org. Uh, to enter this tournament, stop in at uh, Chautauqua Real Outdoors Guide and Tackle in Lakewood coming this weekend, and you can go ahead and enter. You'll fill out a form. You'll get an a assigned an angler number. Uh, you'll get an angler badge to use uh, in the picture that you need to submit. There's going to be two pictures you'll need to submit. The rules will be provided, and uh, you know we're looking uh, looking at a really good time with this one. Um, towards the end of the uh, the tournament, you know, it does close on the 27th, which is a Sunday uh, at noon. You, you get your last entries submitted via email at, by 1 o'clock, and it looks like about a week later we're going to be trying to get a, uh, you know, an in-person uh, award ceremony that's going to be done. Uh, but it's going to depend on the COVID, COVID, COVID rules, as everybody has probably heard. Uh, today, the uh, new mask mandate that uh, Governor Hochul decided to put in uh, is taking effect. We'll see how many people actually listen to this this time around. It didn't work the last time around, or it's not going to work this time around. Um, and there are no emergencies right now. There is no health emergency, so an emergency declaration when the emergency is over is kind of interesting. Uh, but I'm sure there's going to be court cases and all that, another new fight coming over it. Um, and we really don't know you know, what's going to happen by the end of February. Uh, this mask mandate that was put into play by Governor Hochul runs through uh, January 14th or 15th, and at that time they're going to reevaluate and blah, blah, blah. Um, so we're not really sure, but stay tuned to We Love Outdoors. Catch future episodes. We're going to certainly provide you that information, and uh, updates will be provided on the uh, the Chautauqua Real Out, uh, the Chautauqua uh, Open Water and uh, Ice Fishing 
uh, Facebook group, as well as on We Love Outdoors. You can find the event. You're going to find a leaderboard page, and you can check on that uh, periodically during the tournament to see who's up and who's uh, you know who's brought in, what catches, and uh, where that stands. Um, so you know we're we're looking forward to it, um, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun, and hopefully it'll be a a derby that will uh, continue and become an annual thing. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are stepping up, and uh, you know when more sponsors come online, we're going to go ahead and let you know. But you know obviously the primary sponsor of this is Chautauqua Real Outdoors Guide and Tackle in Lakewood, New York. And be sure to visit with Mike Sperry. He's got a great shop. It's got a you know great selection of stuff. And, uh, you know, those hard-to-find jigging Rapalas for the walleye on that lake, he's got them right now. Uh, so stop in and stock up before, uh, you know, everybody wipes them out of stock and then you're, you're left out in the cold, folks. Uh, stop in, and, and again, by the end of this week, you should be able to enter this tournament. Payout's going to be 100%. So, you know, those cash prizes are going to be completely dependent on how many people actually enter. And the cash prizes are going to be the same across each category. It's not going to be like, you know, the walleye makes more money than the sunfish. Everything is going to be the same. And, uh, you know, so that way it's pretty fair. It's pretty even. It's a pretty level playing field. And ultimately, we hope to have, you know, everybody having a lot of fun. Um, with the free uh, fishing weekend, too, that, that uh uh, President's Day weekend, along with the uh, ice festival that should be happening in Mayville this year, ice permitting and COVID, COVID, COVID permitting. Uh, you know, this should be a really good time, really good family event. And we're looking forward to seeing everybody out there and having some fun. After all, that's what the ice fishing is all about. And Chautauqua Lake is one of the best ice fishing lakes that New York has to offer, especially the western New York area. Well, folks, you hear that music. That's right second segment of we love outdoors is in the can and the fastest podcast in history has taken the second break of the morning but don't go anywhere folks because we love outdoors with rich davenport we'll be right back Welcome back, all you sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport, coming to you on Anchor.fm, powered by Spotify. You know, it's, again, beautiful day here in sunny Tandawanda, New York. Uh, the muzzleloader season has started. You know, you've got the waterfowl season going on as well, and, and regular seasons are, are kicking in in the Westchester and Suffolk County areas of the state. Uh, archery only in those areas, obviously, but, um, you know, it's, it's, at this time, I'd, I'd like to take a little bit of time and, you know, just to say that, 
you know, being a sportsman's advocate and also a media person, it sometimes seems as though as the department, and that would be the DEC, is often a pinata for some of their actions, um, you know, and the cause and the blame of a fisherman's terrible day in the water, um, you know, not knowing what they're doing for, for the deer hunter's lack of seeing a boomer, a booner every season, and, uh, you know, they, there's always that uh, natural tendency for sometimes to uh, appear to disparage the man when you see things that have not happened real well. And, you know, it sounds like that we like to bash them a lot and stand up to them. And, and uh, you know, they're doing things that are wrong. But, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Certainly sometimes you get mystified. But then when the man does some good or even excellent work on behalf of the sporting community, they do deserve to get recognized and get a kudos and a thank you for a job well done. And, you know, today, right now, I do want to take the time to say that about the DEC. <clears throat> you know, concerning the information sharing that the DEC does to help anglers and hunters and other outdoor uh, enthusiasts find places and get ideas to get outside and enjoy the natural resources in New York State, a true collection of treasures that belong to all of us, you know, all of the we the people, uh, and are stewarded on behalf of the people of New York State by the DEC. Uh, you know, there's just an amazing amount of information that the DEC has compiled and made public through their website that a lot of people don't understand. Yet I see a lot of hunters and sometimes anglers asking questions concerning, you know, you know, what tag is valid for this season or, um, you know, query the boards about when seasons start or whether any public access exists in certain towns or wildlife management units, etc., and, you know, much to the DEC's credit, their website actually contains many of the answers direct from the ones charged with protecting and assuring the magnificence of our fish and wildlife and our lands and our waters on behalf of all. You know, did you know the DEC has published on their website under the recreation section a series of pages that contain maps and boundaries and even what county and town and wildlife management unit and given uh, public and state land holding, uh, what kind of holding it is, the size, allowable activities and the like. Do you know that? It's under what's known as the recreational land section of the DEC website. When you get to recreation and you drop that down, that's where you find the hunting and angling and all that other good stuff in there. But recreation lands is the first thing up on the top of that particular uh, directory. And that has all the wildlife management units, unique areas, multiple use areas, state forests, and even state parks, complete with who manages the lands and etc., and the activities supported by these lands. It even shows a plethora of DEC campgrounds, which are predominantly in the eastern and northern parts of New York, and some fairly detailed maps that can be used as a reference, even downloadable PDF documents to help you orient yourself before you arrive. How about fishing? You know, the DEC put in a lot of time and energy into another great utility, and that's called the DEC Info Locator. This is a GIS or a geologic information service generated application that presents, um, or a geographic information uh, service that presents on a map style of your choice. You, the default's topographic, but you can get, uh, you know, satellite map and street map and things such as that. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Showing all sorts of places, including every trout stream that is cataloged. 
including what water type of the stream is designated for, uh, matching the inland trout stream management plant designations, parking areas for accessing these waters, um, and just about everything exists in this application, not just the fishing streams, but, you know, hiking trails to see the uh, fire towers and picnic areas, uh, horseback riding trails, hiking trails, even the snowmobile trails, and a lot more. Um, as layers, uh, you know, that you can activate and deactivate depending on what you wish to see on your user customizable map. And although it is still a work in progress, and that progress is nonetheless steady and granular, ultimately these are going to help for people wanting to know where they can enjoy some fishing or hiking or deer hunting and, and, and so much more. Uh, you know, the DEC does deserve some kudos, a great thank you for these efforts, as clearly they're trying to provide as much information to hunters and fishermen as possible to help promote and improve the recreational activities and related quality of life uh, enjoyment outdoors enthusiasts derive from the great outdoors. Uh, you know, there's, check these things out. They, they're wonderful utilities, you know, and, and maybe you can keep it in mind. So the next time you have that question and you post it to one of your favorite Facebook groups, hey, is there any uh, public land in, uh, in Erie County? Is, you know, you can go ahead and go to the locators and you can see, hey, there's the Zor Valley Multiple Use Area. Hey, there's the Clear Lake uh, Wildlife Management Area. And you can get it directly from those who are managing the lands, not ask somebody online who may not have uh, you know the, the full answer or the full information and they may give you some wrong information that may lead to you getting into a little bit of trouble with the ECOs check it at the DEC website that's dec.ny.gov and you know kudos and thank you very much uh, to the DEC for putting that together and for trying to help promote and better uh, inform where to go, what to do, how to do it, etc. Um, they really do a, a deserve a, a job, you know, deserve a, a applause for that, job well done. And folks, that, you know, email address of theirs isn't just your normal government website. Uh, job well done. Thank you very much. In a similar vein, you know, DEC has announced that the registration is now open for the Becoming Outdoors Woman Bow in the Snow event um, that's set for the weekend of uh, February 4th through 6th in Allegheny State Park held at Camp Allegheny. Women can reserve their spot for this uh, three-day event in February, but there is a catch. The registration did open on December 7th. It closes tomorrow on December 14th. Only 40 spots are available. So, you know, if more register than can be handled for than the 40 that this group camp can handle, a lottery draw for the 40 spots will be conducted. Uh, the dates are February 4th through 6th. The cost is $295 per person, which includes a two-night stay, six meals, instruction in three classes of your choice, the use of equipment, materials, and transportation to class locations. you got to get yourself down to Allegheny State Park, but once you're there, they're going to take care of you. Uh, Camp Allegheny has dormitory-style lodging with four or five beds per room. Beds are all single beds, there are no bunks, and all cabins have newly installed heating systems to keep campers warm and cozy. The 22, uh, 2022 classes for this year's Bow in the Snow event includes Fat Tire Biking, Canine First Aid, Waterfowl ID, Firearm Safety, Ice Fishing, Cross Country Skiing, Snowshoeing, Wild Game Cooking, and Cuts 
Um, you know, so wild game cooking and cuts, or cutting your meats and such. Map and compass reading, food preservation, winter wellness, soap making, duff, Dutch oven cooking, and more. Attendees are also advised that the COVID-19 policies and practices may be in place or still in place by this event. So, you know, you can expect some social distancing, indoor mask wearing, etc. All of that should be expected, and I know that might be a deal breaker for some. Once the registration period is closed, which closes the end of day tomorrow, the 14th of December, uh, you know, a random draw for the 40 participants shall happen, and the ones that are drawn will be sent links welcoming them to the program and how they can pay their $295 fee for attending the event. So you don't have to pay it in advance, you pay it once you're selected. You know, that should be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and as the uh, the big game hunting seasons uh, wind down, as well as the holiday season ending and bringing a bit of life back to normal, uh, many DEC education centers will also be offering uh, winter activities for the whole family. Some will be free, some have a fee, and you can quickly access the events calendar right from the DEC homepage. So they're even promoting that, folks. Uh, find out what's going on near you uh, that you and your family may find of interest, and it can help the winter blues and the feeling of a little cabin fever, etc. Getting outside and, and enjoying the wintertime may make that uh, dreary days of winter and those cold days and snowy days a lot more enjoyable if you find something to do outside if you can dress for it properly, etc. And, you know, also the DEC did release in November their uh, documentary on November 1st, which is a one-hour-long film called Uninvited, The Spread of Invasive Species, uh, which does provide some really good info for all New Yorkers. And I do recommend that people consider viewing that. You can find it on the, the DEC's YouTube channel. It's free to view. Uh, it's a really good uh, you know, educational piece on, you know, the dangers of uh, of uh, invasive species, plants, animals, etc., insects. Most of the focus is on the terrestrial side of the coin, not a whole lot on the aquatic side, although they do uh, talk about uh, Japanese uh, water chestnuts and, uh, you know, Eurasian milfoil and hydrilla, just a little bit here and there. Uh, but, you know, it is a good thing to do, and it, it gets you more aware. That's the big thing is, you know, that education and being informed makes you aware of your surroundings and can certainly help people do their part to reduce the spread of invasive species and, uh, you know, maybe also push the state regulators and state legislation uh, to get, you know, more protections done at our borders so we're not letting things in and then, you know, having to punish the people once uh, our government fails us and then it always falls on the people, the campers and firewood, the boaters and uh, seaweed and things such as that. Well, maybe if we stop this stuff from coming in, um, through some strong protections at New York's borders in our harbors and such, you know, maybe we can avoid some of that. But at least this education can get you um, informed and then maybe involved. You know, so that's something that uh, that's you know the DEC has done a good job at. Um, and you know, it's 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 again something that the the DEC deserves our thanks for our gratitude for. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of folks that don't believe the DEC does anything to help promote hunting and fishing and camping and hiking. And perhaps a fresh visit to NY, uh, or the, the fresh visit to DEC.NY.gov, that wonderful website, uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash DEC.NY.gov, really is in order for a lot of people. 
I do highly recommend it. And it's not your ordinary government website. It's actually a fully inter, you know, interactive um, area of uh, of information providing you can you know access a database access an application and get that information right there you know including the new hunt fish new york app that can be downloaded and installed onto your smartphone that re you know replaces the old pocket ranger that had to be uh, redone and uh, you know a new product had to be released after the dec went ahead and adopted a new licensing program uh, a couple years ago they went to a an e-licensing system that is uh, done by a company called Calchemy, and that broke the interface with the uh, Pocket Ranger. So now you've got the Hunt Fish New York app, and that's available in you know Google Play, Apple Store, uh, as well as on the DEC website. You can find a link for that as well. Then you can go ahead and install that on your mobile uh, device of choice. Uh, they've got one for Android. They've got one for iPhone. And uh, you can go ahead and interface with this stuff and um, take it on the go and you know, hey, to those that say that the DEC should be doing more, maybe you should look at some of this stuff and consume it, and maybe, uh, you know, you might get a little bit different attitude as to what the DEC is doing for the sportsmen and women. Well, folks, you hear that music? That's right. This is the fastest podcast in history. I'm taking my last break of the morning. Uh, but, you know, stretch your legs, get another cup of coffee in you, but don't go anywhere because we love outdoors with Rich Davenport. We'll be right back for the final segment of this day. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, all you sportsmen and women out there and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport coming to you from sunny Tundawanda, New York. Welcome back to the final segment here of We Love Outdoors. And, you know, it's it's uh, kind of been a, uh, a tradition that I've, I've, I've established here that the last segment I always like to donate to this uh, wonderful renewable energy and, and climate change and all of that. And... You know, we had a lot of windy weather over the last few days uh, covering a lot of the eastern and midwestern parts of this, this country. And as predictable as the sun rising, the global warming zealots all jumped in and said, these tornadoes and these strong winds, it's caused by climate change, it's a crisis. And uh, you can predict this stuff, you can hear it coming. You, you don't even need to, to turn the news on, you know what they're going to say. But folks when you have a group of people that are pushing an agenda like this and every time the, the weather is bad they start doing a chicken little on you just like uh you know jack joyce said in the november 15th 
um, uh, caw tile meeting. This is, uh, you know, climate change chicken little that is, uh, you know, once again rearing its head. If they have to try to scare you to believe that what they're saying is, is true, you know what they're saying is false and they've got a different agenda than what they're trying to present. However, you know, they're, they're still pushing their, their wonderful uh, agenda here, and the headlong rush into darkness continues in New York and in other liberal states that actually believe that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. It's not. It's a plant food. But nevertheless, the energy illiterate, um, but uh, in my opinion, very evil people seeking more control over us through eliminating the ability to travel freely and access affordable energy to make our lives more independent and self-determining continue to beat a drum that is more and more becoming nothing but noise and demonstrable falsehoods. But more pushback and more truth is continuing to spread about the unreliable wind energy and solar energy and the costs and encroachment, which is now gaining the much-needed attention by courts, including acknowledging finally that wind turbines through shadow flicker and low-frequency noise pose a great health threat to people and other life as well. More projects across the Fruited Plain are being rejected as more communities are making moves to protect their communities and green spaces from the greed of developers and politicians alike who seem to work hand in glove to rob the people blind. Uh, developments in Ohio concerning the Icebreaker Project uh, has the permit process that was used by the Ohio Power Siting Board now in the state Supreme Court as the latest challenge revolves around skirting or ignoring the environmental demands that Ohio law requires. An article published in the Ohio News website Cleveland.com reveals that the permitting process appears to have been inadequately studying impacts on birds and bats, which was a violation of state law, resulting in a lawsuit filed by two Bratton Hall, New York, uh, Bratton Hall Ohio residents who claim Ohio state law requires far more detailed bird and bat studies be submitted before any wind factory project can be permitted to move forward. And according to this December 7th article, um, the attorney Mark Tucker, who's representing the residents in this matter, um, they argued that the Supreme Court should toss the icebreaker permit in its entirety as no studies have been conducted regarding impact on birds and bats that use Lake Erie as a corridor for migration and feeding, contrary to state law. They're supposed to have submitted detailed radar studies submitted before the permit is issued and it's not. In fact, the board said, well, we're going to assure that they do submit it. Well, that's contradictory completely to what the law says and there's also supposed to be a follow-up study that's done and you know if there's a, pr a problem you know you have to mitigate I mean it's the mitigation that was set by uh, the Ohio Power Siting Board which was feathering the uh, uh, the wind factory at night and, and during key periods from March to November that was called a poison pill that was you know removed after much lobbying by Leadco and now maybe that's going to have to come back breathtaking. On another blow to the renewable charade, the New York independent systems operators have released another white paper advising a much slower march to this integration of the unreliable or else massive problems with our own grid integrity will result. And according to this comprehensive reliability plan from 2021 through 2030, published on December 2nd, 2021, the independent systems operators summed up some key findings as follows. Uh, the resource adequacy market 
margins continue to shrink in New York State as New York closes reliable power plants and focuses on unreliable wind and solar. These margins, which you know, include capacity factor among others, would shrink further if additional power plants go offline or become unavailable, or if demand is greater than forecast. Stability of the grid itself would be compromised once adequacy margins evaporate. Transmission security is another area that's expected to become constrained by 2025 and would be deficient by 2028, which would result in forced outages at historic rates in New York. See California and see what happened last February in Texas. And the reliability plan is heavily dependent upon timely transmission project completion, which almost never happens due to unforeseen challenges cropping up, which is the norm, not the exception. If projects are delayed for any reason, the grid's ability to reliably serve the customers would be jeopardized. Finally, independent systems operators mentioned that extreme events such as heat waves or storms that will result in deficiencies to serve demand statewide. The only way to avoid this is add more resources or power plants that work and transmission being added predominantly to New York City. Reliability margins are going to shrink predominantly due to planned unavailability of simple cycle combustion turbines that are impacted by the new DEC peaker rule affecting emissions and carbon footprint demands which is effectively hogwash for this agenda. In fact DEC continues to deny permits for natural gas supply enhancement projects and new natural gas turbines citing these arbitrary regulations and the independent systems operators has rightfully identified these as problems. Uh, these warnings are crystal clear, folks, but for those who currently hold power, it's, they don't care. This is what they want. It's scary stuff. You know, if that weren't enough, um, the New York uh, State uh, Electrical Research and Development Authority, NYSERDA, um, has thrown some, some claims out there that have raised a few eyebrows and uh, some glaring discrepancies have been discovered uh, between what they're stating and what the independent systems operators are seeing. And a group called New York Energy and Climate Advocates recently submitted a litany of questions to NYSERDA after their October 1, 2021 presentation concerning their initial results of integration analysis. Some of the questions do demand real answers. And, uh, you know, this revolves around both wind and solar. Um, but just some of the things that are, are, are eyebrow-raising, uh, and you can, you can get a copy of this, uh, you know, question sheet uh, from NYSERDA. Uh, you know, some of the eyebrow-raising things include NYSERDA predicting uh, between 62,691 megawatts and 66,215 megawatts of installed solar in 2050, estimating annual generation of 120,056 gigawatts uh, all the way up to 126,047 gigawatts. Um, this corresponds to a capacity factor of almost 22% when you do the math. However, in New York State, uh, the solar voltaic, uh, voltage in New York is poor, only about 14% for fixed panel and only 20% for tracking panels, and panels that move and collect the sun. Um, you know, how does NYSERDA explain this discrepancy? And as most large-scale solar projects are fixed panel, not tracking, does the independent system operators believe that all solar panels will be installed using mechanical tracking? Or did NYSERDA inadvertently use a capacity factor data from a different state? Um, you know, there's, there's also this... Uh, 
track you know tight packing of of solar arrays at four acres per megawatt 66 gigawatts of solar would consume 264,000 acres of land and you know this is equal to 400 square miles an area significantly larger than all five boroughs of new york city combined which is only 302 square miles and about 20 square miles of land would need to be converted to electricity production each and every year starting immediately to achieve levels of solar production does anybody believe that to be realistic um Comparing the NYSERDA's uh, four scenarios to the CLCPA's case model by, by independent systems operators in its Phase 2 report, um, it appears that NYSERDA contemplates less land-based wind in exchange for more solar, but even on just an annual generation basis, the amount of additional solar, 12 to 15 gigawatts, is insufficient to make up the amount of wind lost, 17 to 22 gigawatts, in the in independent systems operators model, and this is even showing that NYSERDA is now cannibalizing itself, which is absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, how... You're looking at NYSERDA estimating 149 to 158 gigawatts of total capacity. Independent systems oper operators predicts 163 to, you know, 163 gigawatts by 2040. How does NYSERDA explain that? Um, you know, it's it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, predicting that uh, land-based uh, wind needing to be 10,997 megawatts and 13,239 megawatts uh, by 2050, estimates annual generation between 30, 32,000 and 37,000, almost 38,000 gigawatt hours, and that co corresponds to a capacity factor of 33%, but doesn't reflect the typical performance of land-based wind that is a capacity factor of 26%. Assuming 5 megawatt wind turbines are used, which are very large for land-based uh, application, it would require 2,648 individual turbines. Achieving the build-out by 2050 would require two large turbines installed somewhere within upstate New York every week for the next 28 years. How can they possibly build two wind turbines of 5 megawatts in size every week? Does anybody believe this to be realistic? Um, it's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, some of these turbines that they're basing on annual generation, you know, that, that NYSERDA is claiming, it, it's, it's showing that they operate at a capacity factor of 44%. What is the source of that number? I mean, it just goes on and on and on, people, that NYSERDA is telling tall tales in their models, and it's conflicting with actually what the independent systems operators, the guys that actually operate the grid, are familiar with based on actual hands-on work with existing renewables that we have today. It's unbelievable. You know, it's it's also noted that, you know, a significant amount of nuclear contribution is mentioned by NYSERDA, yet renewed permits are not happening. No mention of thorium reactors, you know, the molten salt reactors and micro reactors that are technologies that are under development in other states and countries, which, you know, proving effective, they're not even being considered in the model that NYSERDA is working with let alone the 7,000 unpowered dams that could be used you know, to in build out hydro, which has far less encroachment, and all of this delivers far more reliability and usable electricity. You know, we believe that all of those 
ans questions demand answers before anything moves forward. Uh, that was you know, put forward by Leonard Rodberg from the New York Energy and Climate Advocates. It's just an amazing thing. Um, you know, finally, you know, another blow that's happening uh, is Assemblyman Andy Goodell in Assembly District 50 and State Senator George Borello of Senate District 57 have teamed up to sponsor legislation requiring wind and solar developers secure reclamation bonds as part of a project permitting process to address the growing problem these green energy scams bring once their lifespan has been reached. Apparently earlier this fall while driving on the I-86 through the town of Bath, Assemblyman Goodell spotted something strange along the side of the road and turned around to investigate and what he discovered was a large pile of discarded wind turbine blades that stood 50 feet tall and were over a football field in length. This discovery further underscored the necessity for this legislation as all other power projects using traditional fuel types are required to secure reclamation bonds for environmental damage and decommissioning. All developers must adhere to these standards except for wind and solar. Why do you suppose that is? All developers must adhere to it. So citing the massive amounts of government incentives provided to build these renewable facilities, Goodall observed there exists virtually no consideration regarding the long-term environmental impacts when these projects are no longer financially viable. The bills, which are Senate Bill S-7420 and Assembly Bill A-8353, are both currently active and sitting in committee in each house. The Senate, it sits in the Codes Committee, and in the Assembly, it sits in Corporations, Authorities, and Commissions Committee. Uh, seems like right across the board we have hanky-panky surrounding these unreliable scams, giving lots of money away, getting nothing in return, gobble up sensitive environmental areas, and, uh, you know, it's just absolutely no benefit. They take up a hell of a lot of room in these landfills. We're not even suited for to handling any kind of uh, in, uh, recycling yet. You know, New York State's supposedly a leader in all of that. And the concrete and the wiring, all of these present problems with absolutely no benefit in return. Doesn't that sound like fun, folks? And all we're going to get out of it is, of course, lifestyles of the Amish. And all the warning bells are being rung. Well, folks, you hear that music? That's right, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. Uh, but don't, you know, be shy. Don't worry about a thing. Uh, if those wind turbines aren't built, we've got the extended muzzleloader season going on. Uh, we got ice fishing season around the corner. And, hey, guys, stop in and see Mike Sperry over at Chautauqua Real Outdoors Guide and Tackle down in Lakewood, New York. Say hi. Stock up on some stocking, stocking stuffers. And uh, be sure to enter that ice derby. And I'll be back. Same back time, same back channel next week, folks. God bless.